Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast contains disturbing content. Please take care while listening. On August 25th, 2010, Arthur Sheldon's remains were found outside of Kim Smith and David Enos's trailer at Twin Oaks Mobile Home Park. It had come to light that Arthur had been under Kim's care, just like Goldie Robinson, who was still a missing person. Detectives believed Goldie had been missing for one to two months, but they didn't have a definitive date because she was estranged from her son Fred at the time she went missing. There were so many unanswered questions. When and how did Arthur Sheldon die? Was Kim or someone she knew involved with his death? And where was Goldie Robinson? Kim Smith was being held at the Orange County Jail in Orlando for a parole violation. And on August 23rd, she spoke with her boyfriend, David Enos, on the phone. David was clearly distressed. What's the matter? Everybody's trying to know where Goldie is because they don't know where she is and they think somebody, she's missing and... She is not missing. I mean, missing and slash murder, slash looking at all kinds of crazy... What, what, what? Yeah. David is hardly audible on the call, but he said, everyone is looking for Goldie saying she's missing or murdered. Remember, Kim doesn't know what's going on with the investigation because she's in jail. And as David updates her on what he knows, he sounds tired, worried, and stressed. Babe, you need to get it together, babe. This is crazy. Honey, I love you. This is crazy. Kim Smith was a person of interest in the investigation into Goldie Robinson's disappearance and now Arthur Sheldon's potential homicide. There were just too many suspicious things to ignore. When detectives searched Kim's trailer, they found financial records for both Goldie and Arthur. They also found a plastic Walmart bag filled with unopened mail addressed to Goldie Robinson. But of course... It wasn't just Kim living in that trailer. It was also David Enos. And David sounds freaked out about the whole thing on this call, more and more defeated with every breath, like he's just waiting for something big to happen, something bad. Kim tries to reassure him that everything will be okay. But nobody's done anything to Goldie. Goldie is fine. I just talked to her on Tuesday before I came here. You need, to, you need to get together and know that they, if they had anything, they would have already done something. It, Adam, I'm sure Adam's freaking out. Yep. But there's nothing to freak out about. There's nothing wrong with her. She's fine. She told me she's not coming back until December. Throughout this call, Kim remains calm, cool, and collected. 
almost like she has a live audience. Before the call ends, she gives David a pep talk. Babe, you need to keep it together, okay? You didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. You need to keep it together, okay? I love you, honey. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. You didn't do anything wrong, and neither did we. From Cast Media, this is The Opportunist. This is Season 8, Episode 3, Kimberly Smith. Where is Goldie Robinson? I'm Hannah Smith. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the search for Goldie Robinson, the police had all but ruled out the theory that she was on her honeymoon in Tennessee with a millionaire. Detectives were fairly certain that the man in the wedding announcement was actually Russell Ryback, an elderly gentleman living in Kim Smith's trailer. It seemed pretty clear that Kim was the one who had created the wedding announcement, using a photo of Goldie and a blurry photo of Russell, just calling him Rusty. It was almost like it was blurred on purpose to make it difficult to tell 100% if that was the person. But even in the documentation of the report, they suspected it was a fake photograph from the get-go. As soon as human remains were found outside of Kim Smith's trailer, detectives initiated a plan to search the entire surrounding property. Here's reporter Nicole Luca. After they announced that that was not Goldie's body, Uh, they immediately went back thinking, you know, well, if there was one body there, then maybe there's another body, you know, on on that property or in that area just kind of went, you know, all hands on deck. Um, They had investigators in and out. They had investigators outside. And then they brought in dogs to help. Investigators planned to use cadaver dogs to search the small wooded area next to Kim's trailer but they decided to wait a week. Arthur Sheldon's remains had just been removed, and they needed to let the smell dissipate so as not to confuse the cadaver dogs. During that week, detectives pressed forward with the investigation, knowing that the clock was ticking. Goldie Robinson could still be alive somewhere, waiting to be found. They believed that someone associated with Kim Smith knew something about Goldie. On August 30th, detectives went to speak with Kim's boyfriend, David Enos. And when was the last day you saw Goldie? Uh, last day I saw Goldie was, was that, I don't know the exact day, but it was the end of July. Uh, not in front of her house, in a night robe. Uh, that's the last day I saw her. David said he saw Goldie at the end of July standing in the road outside her home in the middle of the night, which is odd. But he doesn't give more details. He just says he has no idea where she is or what happened to her. And then he adds that he didn't know anything about Arthur Sheldon either 
until the detectives told him they'd found a body in his backyard. But then the detectives say something to David that honestly shocked me. They said they had received information that David killed Goldie Robinson. The statements are of the effect that you beat Goldie over the head, you wrapped her up in a carpet, and you tossed her off a bridge. I mean, I say, you know, and it's a statement. We can't find it. I got to ask you. Okay. Nah, that's, I never did anything like that. They said multiple people told them that David hit Goldie over the head, wrapped her in a carpet, and threw her body over a bridge. David strongly denies this. And then the detectives ask him if Kim told him to kill Goldie. They said Kim can be very convincing. I can understand the type of, of person that Kim is, and if you don't, yeah, you know, there's, there's demanding, and then there's also, you just end up leaving somebody, and you, but you don't sit there and you don't hurt somebody, especially somebody that's old that lives across the street. The detectives tell David that Kim is one of the people who told them that David killed Goldie. I'm not sure if Kim actually ever said this. There's no recording of it. It's possible that she did. It's also possible that the detectives are bluffing, taking a stab in the dark, trying to get David to admit to something. But he doesn't. He just says he doesn't know anything. He also says that he and Kim are splitting up and that he's leaving her. He has threatened to leave her before, but he's always stayed. Kim and David started dating in 1998. David is 12 years younger than Kim. And by 2010, they'd been through a lot together. They had a daughter in 1999, but she was taken away from them and was being raised by Kim's mother. David mentions many times in the recordings of him talking to the police that this was something he thought about often. He wanted to try to get his daughter back. But David also rarely had a job, and Kim was financially supporting him. David had stayed with Kim even when she spent time in jail previously for identity theft and writing a series of bad checks. During this interview, David is actually in the hospital. You may have heard some machines beeping in the recordings. A few days before this, he'd been drinking heavily and then swallowed a whole bottle of Tylenol. He was alive, but he damaged his liver and kidneys. He tells the detectives that He's worried he's done permanent damage to his organs and that he's been thinking a lot about his life and his mistakes. It concerns me as an investigator when someone who doesn't have anything, at least what they're telling us, anything to do with anything, and yeah, but it's, they, don't, they don't know what's going on, but yet they take uh, a potentially lethal dose of medication and start drinking heavily. Uh, at the onset of a missing person investigation. Um, just thinking guilt by association, my life is over, whatever happened, whatever, if Kim did anything that was anywhere outside of the lines, then that means my life is over too now because of her actions. People are like asking me questions I don't know the answers to. 
people are like accusing me of killing people, hurting people, all this other stuff that I've never done a day in my life. And I figured it was how it started drinking and I guess it's what hell is really like, so. Things do not look good for David at this time. And over the course of the interview, it becomes clear that David is trying to distance himself from Kim. Detectives ask him if he's spoken to Kim lately, and he says yes, he has. But then he says that Kim has been lying to him. When he asked her where Goldie was, she fed him the same story she fed everyone else, that Goldie was on her honeymoon. And David makes it very clear that he doesn't believe this. He says to the detectives, quote, she never got married. He's referring to Goldie. At multiple times during this interview, David sounds like he's so close to turning on Kim or confessing some information about where Goldie is. But he never does. His stance remains the same. He knows that Goldie didn't get married, that this was a lie that Kim told. But he doesn't know what actually happened to Goldie or where she is. Detectives remind him that the trailer he was living in was chock full of Goldie's financial records. And David is very cooperative. He says, search the house again, take my computer, do whatever you need to do. Whatever you need to do, go ahead and do. I mean, ultimately, I want the same thing that you guys do, which is to know what the hell happened to Goldie. David told detectives that a while back, Kim asked him to build a shed behind their trailer for extra storage. And the shed hadn't gone up yet, but he had built a wooden platform for it. Detectives asked him if they could look underneath that platform, and David said they could. Do you expect we're going to find anything on that wood platform? I sure as hell hope not. I don't think so. The implication is clear. They are going to start digging around Kim and David's trailer. They are looking for Goldie. Subscribe to Cast Plus to listen ad-free with bonus episodes at castmedia.com slash castplus. You can follow, rate, and review The Opportunist on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference. So thank you. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Through conducting interviews, detectives learned something surprising about Goldie Robinson. They wondered if it could be a potential lead in finding Goldie. 
Prior to becoming close with Kim Smith, Goldie had a roommate, a friend of hers named Elaine. Elaine and Goldie had been close friends for 30 years, but as soon as Kim came into the picture, Goldie and Elaine began having disagreements. Goldie and her roommate lived together, I don't want to misquote this, but I want to say it was like 17 years they were roommates. Got along great until Kim Smith came into the picture. Then suddenly there were problems. They weren't getting along. Fred and Stacia both told me that Elaine was basically part of the family. They was <laughs> the best of friends. Uh, when uh, they mom bought this trailer in a trailer park. And the back room, uh, she built a back room onto the trailer. But actually, she built it for Elaine. Goldie and Elaine met in the mid-70s. They both worked at Denny's and became fast friends. And then in the mid-90s, Goldie built an addition onto her mobile home, specifically for Elaine to move into. Goldie's husband, Lester, was still alive at the time, and they all lived there together. Once Lester died in 1999, it was just Goldie and Elaine. I don't ever remember Elaine not being around. Um, Elaine was just always part of the family. She was always there. And were you close with Elaine as well? I was extremely close with Elaine. And what did your dad think of Elaine? It was it was like she was another mother. Um to him, uh, she would come out of her area and she would always come out and eat dinner with us. And, you know, she was just she was just part of our unit. But then in the summer of 2010, Elaine and Goldie had a falling out. Their disagreement was so severe that in June, Elaine moved out. This was around the same time that Stacia stopped hearing from her grandmother, Goldie. At that time, I guess Elaine had moved out. Were you or your father aware of that? No. I want to say the story went is that they, uh, Goldie and Elaine, got in an argument and she moved out. Um, and then I, wa- I want to say my dad tried to reach out to Elaine and I don't think he ever got a response from her. So he just, you know, kind of let it go away. The cause of the fight between Elaine and Goldie Well, that's still sort of unclear. There are multiple accounts of Kim talking about this falling out, but her story changes depending on the day and who she's talking to. Kim told one of Goldie's friends from church that the problems between Elaine and Goldie started with a life insurance policy. Kim said the same thing to the police. She found out that Elaine had a life insurance policy in her name. And she was living. But when detectives asked follow-up questions about this, Kim was vague. She answered every question with a story, usually riddled with tangents and non sequiturs. And by the end of it, she still really didn't have an answer. For example, when detectives asked, why did Elaine move out of Goldie's trailer? This is what Kim said. Something about her car. Elaine, she swore up and down. Elaine went behind her back. And pretty much used her for that Corvette. And was having an affair with her son. 
she swore up and down, up and down, up and down that Elaine and her son, Joe, I think his real name is Fred Frederick, were having an affair. Kim told multiple people that Elaine was having an affair with Goldie's son, Fred. Fred refutes this claim, by the way. He says Elaine was more like a mother to him. But it is true that Elaine had a car that she loved, a Corvette. And according to Kim, the Corvette also played a part in their quarrel. Goldie would put tuna fish on top of the car so the cat could get on top of it. And they were just older. Elaine actually doesn't look as old as she is, but Goldie would do little things like that to her. At this point, the detective is no closer to getting an answer. He gets impatient and redirects Kim back to the original question. Why did Elaine move out of Goldie's trailer? And then Kim begins talking about insurance again. She swore up and down that she did not give them permission to take out that life insurance policy. I never gave Elaine no permission to sign a life insurance policy for me, ever, 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 ever. From what I can tell, Kim's story to the police about why Elaine moved out can be boiled down to this. Goldie was convinced that Elaine and her son Fred were having an affair, and she was upset about this. She was also convinced that they had secretly taken out a life insurance policy together on her. And this made Goldie so mad that she kicked Elaine out of her trailer, and then she changed the locks on the trailer, and also... For some reason, she put tuna fish on top of Elaine's Corvette. But then Kim says this. Anyway, make a long story short, she tells the kids to move in. What kids? Adam and Crystal and the kids, two little boys. She decides she wants to move into the new room, the back room. She'll give them that room, and then the little kids can have the other little room. Talking the back room, the extension? Yeah, the extension. It cannot be ignored that Kim had a lot to gain from Elaine moving out of Goldie's trailer because Elaine had been living in that small addition in the back of Goldie's trailer. And once Elaine moved out, Goldie moved into that small addition. And what happened to the rest of the trailer? Well, Kim's son, Adam Smith, moved in with his family. But what about the life insurance policy? Is there any truth to that? According to Goldie's granddaughter, Stacia, there is, at least in part. But that is, that actually is true, is that my, that Elaine and my grandmother had life insurance policies on each other. They lived together for so long that that's just kind of how it was. If you pass away, you take care of my affairs. If I pass away, you take care of my affairs kind of thing. So that was... But it was never a, um, I don't, again, that might have been a Kimberly story, but that just was not true. Shortly after Kim Smith came into Goldie Robinson's life, there was a rift between Goldie and her longtime best friend, Elaine, so much so that they became estranged. And this was around the same time that Goldie had a falling out with her son, Fred, and became estranged from him also. So I can't help but wonder, was it Kim's intention to isolate Goldie from her friends and family? And if so, to what end? 
We reached out to Goldie's former roommate, Elaine Gunnis, for the podcast, but did not hear back. She did speak to the police on August 26, 2010, and there are notes from that conversation in the police report. Elaine Gunnis stated that Kimberly Smith moved into the Twin Oaks mobile home park and befriended Goldie Robinson. Kim started spending a lot of time at Goldie and Elaine's home. And shortly after that, Goldie noticed that some of her jewelry was missing. And when she asked Kim about it, Kim apparently told her that Elaine had stolen it. And then separately, Elaine also noticed some of her jewelry was missing, about $15,000 worth. Elaine stated that she told Kim about her missing jewelry, and Kim told her Goldie had taken the jewelry. Now, Elaine notes in her interview with police that she suspected from the start that Kim Smith was the one who actually took her jewelry and Goldie's jewelry. And this was some kind of effort to turn Elaine and Goldie against one another. But she said when she brought this theory up to Goldie that Goldie got angry and defended Kim. Not long after that, Elaine said she was asked to move out. And so she did. And she never got her jewelry back. So what was going on with the life insurance? Well, when detectives looked into it, they found out that Goldie had cashed in two life insurance policies shortly before she went missing. It's noted that the funds were put into an account, and detectives could see that money was being rapidly removed from that account. In just one month, $12,000 had been withdrawn. And when they got the ATM photos back from the bank, it was Kimberly Smith's face that they saw. Kim had gotten a hold of the money from Goldie Robinson's cashed-in life insurance policies. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. 
Nine days after Arthur Sheldon's remains were found at Twin Oaks, police brought cadaver dogs into the mobile home park. It was September 3rd, 2010. Goldie's son Fred and granddaughter Stacia were at the mobile home park that day. So was Elaine. My father and I had walked up the street um, to visit some folks. They brought the dogs in. And Elaine was standing right there at the road. Elaine called Stacia on the phone and said, I don't want to get your dad riled up, but something is going on down here and you need to come now. So I ran down there, I don't know, maybe 10 lots down. I ran down there. By the time I got down there, they were kind of, they were putting up the, uh, like the tarps. I thought, oh shit, here we go. It looked like the police had found something, but Stacia couldn't tell exactly what had been found. The the detective called me and said, uh, Fred, he said, if you come over to the, uh, over to the trailer, he said, I just want you to know, he says, there's going to be a few cops here. Fred knew that it couldn't be good news. So I jumped in the truck and went over there. And there was cops everywhere. And when I got out of the car, I pulled up into that little community parking lot. And uh, this big cop got out of the car. He said, are you Mr. Roberts? I said, yep. I heard dogs barking. He says. Uh, Two dogs hit in a spot over in that overgrown area. I said, oh, you know, I don't like where this is going. They hit on a spot and they started digging about four feet down. They had found another body and they was taping off the place uh, with uh, the uh, police tape. Another body had been found in Kim Smith and David Enos's yard. Here's Stacia again. And they couldn't tell if it was male or female that had been there for some time, uh, that this, the body would have to go to the medical examiner. I want to say it was a Friday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon. And it was definitely a holiday weekend because I remember I was pissed because the Emmy's office was closed on Monday because it was a holiday. So we couldn't get the um, results until Tuesday. This was the second body to be found, and the second time that Fred and Stacia just had to wait and wonder if it was Goldie. And then on Tuesday morning, he got the call. And they told me that was mom. That was in the blue tarp that they took out of the woods. And I tried to, tried to tell myself it wasn't my mom, but it was. It was her. Goldie Robinson's body was found buried next to Kim Smith's trailer in a shallow four-foot grave. At this point, Fred had been in South Daytona actively searching for his mother every day for two weeks. Every day not knowing if she was alive, but every day hoping that she was. And now he knew for sure. My dad called me and told me, that they had called and confirmed that it was her um, by hydrating her finger fingerprint. And how did you, you know, feel when you heard that? I mean, honestly, I was uh, I was relieved, only because the feeling of not knowing where someone is is horrible. It's just a horrible feeling. Um, I was relieved that we found her. I was devastated that she was gone. <laughs> 
I mean, my father and I had days and nights just roaming around Daytona looking for her. Like we would sleep in shifts. It's just, it, it was an exhausting process. So not, not to, I hate that it does sounded kind of selfish, but it was just, um, you know, like believe like we don't, we can stop looking for her. Revisiting this moment was difficult for Fred. And one of the things that Fred told me during this conversation is that when he was standing at Twin Oaks and he had heard that another body was found, he did something kind of odd. He took a video of medics carrying the body out from the woods. It was completely covered. There was no way to tell who it was. But it just struck me as such an odd thing to do. And so I asked him about it. Some things you just can't never unsee. And that's that's one of them. Why do you think in that moment, why do you think you took a video? Uh, I guess I, I did it in hopes of not being my mom again. You know, we don't found one body that wasn't mom. So why not find another one that's not mom? But it didn't turn out that way. Taking the video in that moment, it seems to me like one of those things that a person does when they don't know what to do because things are too terrible to know what to do. As if by taking the video that he would somehow be able to turn back time, to change the way that things happened, to bring his mother back. But of course, that didn't happen. Instead, Fred started to face the reality that his mother was gone. He told me the next question that he desperately needed answered was how. How did she die? Just as it had been for Arthur, Goldie's body was too decomposed for the medical examiner to determine a cause of death. A few days after Goldie's body was found, detectives interviewed Fred's cousin and Goldie's niece, a woman named Donna. And Donna's interview ended up being pretty important because Donna may have been the last person not associated with Kim Smith to see Goldie Mae Robinson alive. I received a call from my cousin, Betty, um, who is a niece of Goldie's, and she had been trying to get a hold of her for a couple months. Donna lives pretty close to the Twin Oaks mobile home park. She is Goldie's niece, and she said they used to be close, but after Donna's mother died in 2006, she said she and Goldie just drifted apart over time. But then... In early July, Donna got a call from one of her cousins, Betty, who had been trying to reach Goldie but hadn't been able to get in contact with her for over a month. Donna says she drove to check on Goldie on either July 6th or July 7th. She can't remember exactly. When she pulled up to Goldie's trailer, she noticed immediately that the place looked unkempt. When I went into the house, there was five people in the living room and two children, two babies, and Goldie was nowhere to be seen. And what were you thinking in that first initial moment when you walk in and you just see so many strangers in her house? I thought something is not right here. Yeah, this just can't be right. What's going on here? Where's Goldie? And that's when Kim 
she approached me, well, who are you? And uh, I said, well, I'm Goldie's niece. I'm Donna. Of course, Donna knows now that this woman was Kim Smith, but at the time, she thought her name was Yaya. And according to Donna, Kim tried to stop her from seeing Goldie that day. She said she is in the back bedroom. She's sleeping. Do not disturb her. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to disturb her. And I proceeded to walk back to Goldie's bedroom. Um, She followed me. Um, and with nervous chatter, talking, I, I don't even know what she was talking about. I'm a nurse and I'm taking care of Goldie, that kind of stuff. Donna is a nurse herself. And against Kim's wishes, she pushed her way through the trailer to the back bedroom where she found Goldie asleep. When I got to the room, Goldie was in bed. Um, she did not look to be in any pain or anything. And I tried to wake her up, and that did not work. Uh, So I did do a sternal rub on her chest. And what does that mean exactly? The knuckles on the breastbone, when you do it hard, if uh, someone is coherent, they will wake up. Uh, Because it's painful. It's not real comfortable. So she did not respond to painful stimuli. I, I didn't like it at all. I... I knew that I was potentially in a very dangerous situation because there were several people there at the house that I did not know. Um, And all I could think of was I need to get out of the house. Donna left Goldie's trailer that day feeling very shaken. And as soon as she was in her car, she called Fred. She told him he should come to Florida as soon as possible. Something was very wrong. I said, this doesn't feel right. This is the situation. And he said, no, everything is fine. Kim is helping mom with her meds. She's helping to take care of her and everything is fine. Of course, later Fred would regret not dropping everything and driving to Florida. But at the time, he really didn't think there was anything to worry about. He spoke with Kim every other day, it seemed. He trusted her and he believed that she was helping his mother out. There was something that Donna said to the police when they interviewed her that sticks out to me. She said Kim's reasoning for why Goldie was so deeply asleep that day was that Goldie hadn't been able to sleep the last couple of nights, and so Kim gave her Darvaset, which is an opioid pain medication, and Ativan, a tranquilizer. And she had told me that she had been taking care of Goldie the past few months. She's had to go get her at Walmart and stuff because the dementia was increasing. It was getting worse and worse. She was misplacing her telephones, and that, that's why people were not able to get a hold of her, apparently. Donna didn't know it at the time because she hadn't seen Goldie in over a year. But Goldie didn't have dementia. As far as health concerns went, she had high blood pressure. That was about it. This was just another one of Kim Smith's many lies. Just like how she told everyone Goldie had gotten married and was on an extended honeymoon and would be back in December. Another lie. Just like how a week before Goldie's body was found, Kim told her son Adam that she had just spoken with Goldie on the phone. Goldie is fine. I just talked to her on Tuesday before I came here. 
Detectives were still piecing together a guess as to when Goldie died, but it was clear that she had died in July of 2010. Kim made this statement that she had just talked to Goldie in late August. It was clearly a lie intended either for her son Adam or for whoever listened to her recorded phone calls. There's one more thing that Donna told me about her run-in with Kim Smith. Once Donna had Kim's real name, she was determined to find out if Kim was actually a nurse. I, of course, did look her information up on the Florida Board of Nursing, and she did not have a nursing license. Kimberly Smith is not now and has never been a nurse. This is something the detectives had also discovered. But Kim was giving Goldie Robinson medication, a painkiller and a tranquilizer. Detectives wondered how many times had Kim given Goldie meds and did Goldie really need those medications? This missing persons case had now turned into a potential double homicide along with a fraud case. And Kim Smith was right in the middle of it. This season of The Opportunist was produced by me, Hannah Smith, along with Natalie Gregory and Sarah Dalgleish. Colin Thompson is our executive producer, editor, and music editor. Matt Sewell mixes and masters the show. Our cover art is by Joel Hassemeyer. Thank you to Stell Klein for the tape sync. You can email us at theopportunist at castmedia.com. That's cast with a K. And we have merch for sale at theopportunistpodcast.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.